myself again But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn You look back and it's all in the past Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. And uh, as always on Thursday night, I'm joined by Super Mac and John Gibson. How are you, lads? Good. Well, Steve, good. thank you. Good. Good to see you both. And uh, it's nice to be back live. I've had, uh, I had last night off, of course, because I was at Newcastle United's grounds and James's Park, uh, sampling an atmosphere which is probably reserved usually for, for Sunderland fans. There was only 10,000 in the ground. So that I now know what it's like to be a Sunderland supporter in a huge stadium. Uh, but I've got to be honest, it was great to be back in the Gallagher end, um, you know, just amongst Newcastle fans in a safe COVID, you know, COVID um, restriction environment but still being able to support the team clap the team sing a few yeah. songs to the team see a win which was important and um yeah just just sample it all and i've got to be honest lads i had a i had a real lump in me throat and a, a tear in my eye when you know local hero played and the lads came out because i think it was just a reflection of something we you know we all take for granted being able to go to the match and to have that taken away for you know best part of a year um, is something I certainly won't take for granted again. And um, it was just great to be back inside. And I, I don't care how dilapidated the place looks, uh, you know, at the moment and, and how poor the team is and how awful our manager is and how greedy our owner is. Um, I'm a Newcastle fan. I always will be. And it was just nice to be back at, at my second home. So, you know, for me, um, it was a it was resounding success. Well done to Newcastle United on how they organised it. Well done to the security staff. Um, who who did did everything in their in their you know in their capabilities to make sure that it was safe and to get everybody in uh, to the ground uh, safely and essentially to you know to make it a, a good atmosphere and um, the fans did that bit as well superb or, you know throughout as you would always expect and uh, wonderful wonderful experience and uh, looking forward hopefully. Uh, to going back in August with everybody who is in the chat and, and people who watch the show. Um, when we have a capacity, hopefully, of 52,000, let's hope we'll get back to that. Uh, John, uh, we might be a, a COVID-free zone, but we've got a virus on Miles' computer again, which has struck early, so he hasn't even got a... He, he got good evening out of his uh, mouth, and then he's off again. So um, the dog, the dog, the dog needs letting out, John. What, what, was, what was your take on seeing fans back in the ground last night? Fabulous. Um, I honestly think it was the best part of the night. I mean, you being in the ground, Steve, sampling the atmosphere, being dead grateful to be there, would enjoy the evening. And to a certain extent, that probably covered uh, what I felt was a very average display by Newcastle. But for you, you wouldn't see it that way, being back in the stadium was all important and to me the best part of the match last night was the fact that there was fans in because we realized so much uh, what we'd all missed and um, not just you in there but you know the the fans that have had to watch with the television i mean the idea on the television of of the the sound effects to make it seem like a crowd you know is like the canned laughter you get on the comedy shows you know where it is just not real it's not natural and i mean just the small things steve like like uh, referees getting booed when they make a decision and give a free kick to the opposition, which is debatable, and and they get some stick, and uh, you get the the usual chance and the usual thing. It makes the game what it is, and we knew what was coming because I enjoyed the FA Cup final not because it was a great story of Leicester winning the the cup for the first time ever, but the atmosphere that was created, and mm. it was exactly the same year and um you know it the noise and there was only ten thousand in you know when there's fifty thousand in next season and pray god we're all back to normal next season uh that's going to be wonderful but one of the things that i found interesting um towards the end of it is Looking back, Steve Bruce sort of indicated that perhaps near the end, uh, the players were apprehensive defending a 1-0 lead because the crowd 
were transmitting that feeling to them. And I was also told, was was Newcastle United nervous because there was 10,000 fans there and they haven't been used to that this season? If Newcastle United players get nervous because there's 10,000 fans there or Steve Bruce wonders the reception he'll get and the players will get when there's 50,000 there, then get out of town because this is a pre these are Premier League players playing for a Premier League club. And if they're going to be worried about 10,000, they should think what it's like with 50,000. But I think that the good players, the, the San Maximan, uh, Willock, the uh, Dubrovka, um, Wilson, when he's available, are going to be lifted by a crowd, by a, uh, playing in front of a crowd again, because it's horrendous just hearing each other shout to each other, I would suspect, this players. The best part of the evening by far, apart from uh, Willock scoring yet again, which was staggering, Six goals out of six, seven since he come to Newcastle. Not only has he been here only half a season, but he's a midfielder. Newcastle forwards mm -hmm. can't score goals like that, and this guy is a midfielder. And so, outside of Willock's goal and a, a lovely cameo, I thought by San Maximum, who was the real excitement of the night when he was on the ball, and the best part of the evening were the fans back without a shadow of doubt. So, take a ball, Steve Wraith, fan. Supreme last night, uh, Starman of the, of the whole evening. There you go. Thanks. That's high praise indeed, John Malcolm. Um, you know, we discussed it prior to the you know prior to the game. You know, when would we see fans back in? It was like I said at the start. It was great to have fans back in. What was your take sitting watching it uh, on TV? I, I take it the fans came across loud and clear. Oh, well, they certainly did. Yes, um, and and you knew that it was live. That it was that it wasn't sort of a pre-record fan noise that was coming out of the tannoys. Um, that there was that it was amazing that uh, it, a ground only a fifth full um, should uh, uh, create such an atmosphere as they did. Um, I, I, and I I found myself thoroughly enjoying the game for the atmosphere, which I haven't been doing now for months. Um, and I think I think you could sense with the players that they were reacting more to that, that it wasn't so much like a practice game in an empty stadium anymore. Um, and and it was it was bringing it, it was bringing maybe not the best, but certainly better out of them. Um, and I include Sheffield United in that. Um, because I thought they played, they, they played quite well for a side that have been relegated, and they certainly had their chances as well. Um, but it, yeah, it was a joy to watch. Thank heavens! I hope that we can keep it going um, uh, into next season. Um, that we don't have any more uh, um, health scares uh, uh, to, to knock it all all sideways again. Yeah, fingers crossed. It's uh, the beginning of the return. Uh, we seem, for me, I mean, we're not doctors or or government officials, but it seems as if we're going into some kind of period of herd immunity now. So, um, you know, I, I, I've got high hopes that we will be back to that stage. So let's see, let's see what happens. Performance-wise, Mal John wasn't impressed. He said the fans were the best thing of last night. Um, <laughs> Would you agree? I mean, it's different when you're sitting at the game. I've got to be honest. I mean, you know, now I'm not having to watch what somebody else wants us to want to watch. I can watch what I want to watch sitting in the ground. That's the big difference. And um, I was really interested in watching Willock. I was also interested in watching Matt Ritchie. Um, you know, and, and again, Matt Ritchie didn't 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 let me down all the way through the game, cajoling, having a go, having a pop, encouraging, um, doing everything right. Definitely a captain's performance again from Ritchie. Shelby, um, not so good. Um, wasn't one of his worst days, wasn't one of his best, probably one of his standard average performances. Willock was outstanding. Um, what a what a player he is, the work rate he put in. Probably just as much as Almiron did last night, running around the pitch, Harry and chasing, great engine on him. Um, ASM last night for me, 
Um, I'm getting really annoyed at the amount of times he goes down injured and then is is motioning to the bench yeah. want, about wanting to come off. He's, you know, he's getting kicked from pillar to post. I understand that, but he seems very very intent on coming off if the going gets tough. And I, I, it's a quality I don't particularly like in him, you know. But um, I just thought overall, you know, we were playing the bottom of the league team. We should have been four or five goals up in the first half. We took our foot off the gas in the second half and could have easily, you know, could have easily had a sucker punch. But wasn't a great mm. performance. I wasn't expecting to go and watch Brazil at St James's Park last night, and I didn't see Brazil. And and for me, um, I I enjoyed it. But but John said, you know, when you when you went off there, that um, it was probably because I went with the intention of enjoying myself. It was the first game I've been to in a long time. Mm. Um, mm. You know, what, what did you see, Malcolm, on the pitch? Um, well, I'm I'm still not sure about the way that Newcastle are playing at the back, where they've got three at the back, but then they pull the wide midfielders back, um, and, and that that has them playing at fullback, whereas they are both excellent cross, crosses of the ball, but all too often they can't get there. Fortunately for the goal, um, the lad on the right, he did get there, and by heavens, what a superb cross he sent in for Willock to score from. Absolutely beautiful cross. Um, and and so I, I don't know whether it's a work in progress, this three at the back and let's pull the midfield players back to, to, to play at fullback. Um, and, and again, there is one thing that I like about Willock that um, others don't seem to have, and that is the ability to completely ignore Shelby. He's able just to ignore him and get on with his own game and not let Shelby dictate um, and, and spoil things for him. And, and Shelby will do that. Um, he, he's done it uh, um, uh, with other midfield players, but Willock, he just gets on with what he feels is the right thing to do, and he does it ex extremely well. Puts a lot of effort into the game as well. And I don't know if you notice, but <clears throat> when Shelby has got somebody there in midfield with him, who doesn't give a, a, a stuff about Shelby. Shelby just drops off um, and he can make it very difficult for a lot of players around in the side. What you need is a midfield that, get, that pushes up all the while and that encourages the back line to push up and get as, as far away from goal as is possible. And that means that the opposition, when they do get the ball, they're a long, long way uh, to travel to get to the Newcastle penalty area and goal mouth. Um, oh, I suppose people say this is my favourite subject, but, but believe me, it really isn't. But I'm finding it now. Um, I, I'm finding it such a bugbear. Joe Linton is not good enough to play in the Premiership. Quite simple, and it doesn't matter how long they give him, um, how much work they do with him, he is never going to be of the quality um, to play in the Premiership. And so this summer, they have to do something about it. And the best thing they can do is take a loss and move him on uh, because uh, um, why Steve Bruce continues to keep playing him when it is not doing the side any good at all and it's a vital position where he plays and Newcastle are getting nothing from him nothing at all uh, can you remember anything that he that he offered as a plus to the Newcastle performance. Anything at all? You were there, Steve. 
Yeah. Sorry, John. Yeah. yeah I, the only thing that stands out for me before he went off injured off time was a, a diving header that must have gone about 40 yards over the crossbar. Uh, yeah. from a very good position to to be able to finish and and didn't manage to uh -huh. but um you know what i found interesting last night steve and uh, i know you would sadly uh, you would slightly disagree because being in the stadium was just a wonderful experience and a huge plus and what i thought was fabulous was all the fans went there to support newcastle united they didn't go there to hammer the team or to hammer the manager or whatever. Mm. They wanted Newcastle to do well. They were willing them to do well. They were grateful to be there again. But the nagging doubt I had about the game before the game happened, guys, and it's the same nagging doubt I've got for Sunday when we play Fulham, who are really a replica of Sheffield United. They're already down. They can knock it about a little bit. But they cannot finish and score goals to save mm. their lives, and neither can Sheffield United. And so we're facing a very similar sort of side on Sunday. Now, I think, and this sounds absurd in some ways, but I think Newcastle are more geared to playing the good sides. When, when they played Leicester, and hammered them for four when they played the champions manchester city and scored three against them they had quality mm. sides who come on to them who come on to them and when we got a turnover we were willing to attack them direct pitch at pace using the pace of willick and san maximum and almiran and that suits our game but when we played sides that are already down, where we, the onus is more on us to dictate the pace of the game, the creation of the game, where we are responsible for carving out chances, not on the counter, but on the front foot, we do not possess enough playmakers, and I'm emphasising the playmakers, to give the forwards a chance. Because Willock isn't a playmaker, he's a box-to-box -box finisher, and by God, is he good at it. Sal, uh, San Maximum, yes, can, can create the wonderful ball he gave to Murphy for Murphy's great cross. He can do it. But outside mm. of that, we haven't got a Terry Hibbert, we haven't got a Tony Green, we, we haven't got a Kabai, we haven't got the creative. And when the onus is on us, to dictate the pace of the game and the, the direction of the game, we haven't got the, the locksmith that'll open up sides. And we've got to mm -hmm. buy that this summer because you can have Wilson standing up there and you can get somebody else as good as, as Wilson and, uh, to be with him in terms of finishing. But if you don't get somebody to roll them in with chances, Wilson played at Sheffield United when we lost 1-0. We've got to have midfield creators that are capable on the ball of unlocking defences. And I think, sure, Malcolm, I think that's what we lack. You can't put them in the same side as Shelby. That's the problem. Yeah. Well, you replace Shelby. Yeah, absolutely, John. I, I, I totally agree with you. But uh, Steve Bruce has made Shelby captain. Now, that, that, that to me is a statement of how Bruce is seeing Shelby. Um, he's seeing Shelby in a completely different light to, to the three of us, I think. Um, and, and he must like what Shelby is doing. Um, Shelby is... He... He keeps he keeps picking he Joe Linton as well, Malcolm. <laughs> well, I, I know, I know. And, as well, and it's all and it's all through the middle, John. Yeah, it's all through the middle. That's the problem. Um, yeah. and what you want is a midfield player who is looking to get forward and support forwards, and let the other midfield midfielder make runs. Um, Willock in the case last night. But did you see Shelby looking to play Willock in? I didn't see that happen once. No. I saw Shelby dropping onto the toes of the centre-halves. 
It strikes to me I mean, something we've discussed with you before, Malcolm, in, in the sense that um, certain players, if they if they've got a bit of you know a bit of a thing with another player, don't pass to them. Um, you've said this to me before, or the, or the yeah. overhitter pass to make them look bad. And um, yeah, I, wouldn't yeah. be, I wouldn't be surprised if Shelby's a bit jealous of Willock. I, 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 I could, yeah, I could quite imagine that being the case. I really could. But what? What it needs is somebody to boot Fernandez up the backside and say, get him pushed forward. Get Shelby off of your toes. Get him pushed up and then see what happens. But it seems that the back line are happy for Shelby to keep dropping right off um, from that central midfield position and almost become another centre-half at times. Uh, um, and, and so Fernandez, I think, I think he's a good, ex experienced head um, on, on, on the shoulders of a very good player. But he's got to boss Shelby and not be bossed by him. Because that's what Shelby does. If, he if looks we to are, boss players. Yeah, sorry, Steve. Go on. So if we are going to make any improvement next season, Malcolm, and my big concern... Come Sunday, that's this season put to bed. My big concern is that if the takeover doesn't happen quickly, and it probably won't happen quickly enough, to we are going to start next season with Ashley as owner, with Bruce as, as manager, and with the same squad, basically, and looking to buy what Steve Bruce has called Bosman players, which is free yes. transfer players. Free Our transfer. summer's work is going to free transfer players and on loan mm. players. If is so, going to make uh, a progress, right? Are you saying decisions that, John? are going to be made? Which means I'm saying, I'm, well, the tough decisions, Malcolm, is things like you've get Shelby and Joe Linton out the team. You've got to pick, you've got to sign a top-class striker to go with Wilson and a midfield creator, and you've got to get Willick, uh, come hella high water, to stay at this club. And you've got to stop signing only free transfer players. What did free transfer players get us? It got us Hendrick and Andy Carroll. Um, we've and got Fraser. to stop signing players from yeah, we've got to stop signing players from relegated sides because they're cheap mm. or they're grateful to come here. We've got to raise our eyes from being on the floor yeah. to being yeah. on the horizon and get people that'll improve this club. We don't. We've stopped doing that. It is ludicrous. I tell you what, everything I'm preaching now, I'm not expecting to happen, guys, this summer mm. because I think we'll go down the same old, same old road. Yeah, yeah, and you know it's been quite frightening listening to to Steve Bruce talking about bringing Bosmans and free transfers in. Um, how depressing is that? For heaven's sake, I you know, and I I think he's saying it just to prepare uh, uh, prepare everybody for what's not going to happen in the close season. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's worrying times for Newcastle fans at the moment and uh, obviously we'll be covering it throughout uh, the summer on NUFC Matters uh, with me, John and Malcolm, no doubt giving our views over over the summer holidays. Big shout out to the uh, sponsors as always, Spider VPN uh, for your internet security. They've been with us for the last four months now. Big shout out to the lads there, Google Spider VPN. They come up at the top of your search list and uh, get them protect all of your internet and uh, stop people nicking your account numbers and things like that. Also a big shout out to skipsandbins.com, telephone 0800 25 email inquiries at skipsandbins.com, website www.skipsandbins.com, easy contract, free and pay as you go, waste collection. And uh, just, just so you know, lads, the B did get christened last week by the supporters on the chat on Friday and he's called Sir Bobby. <laughs> oh, Sir Bobby B. 
Serve Bob Lee. Yeah, very good. Very good. Big thanks to the Tech Shop. Makers of pool tables and snooker tables and walls in Newcastle. They are going to be announcing a big event, a big summer event uh, on tomorrow night's show. So stay tuned for that tomorrow. And a big Ooh. shout out to Jab Signature as well. Their new range coming out very shortly. And uh, tomorrow night, of course, 5.30, I will be back with the, uh, the A-team, uh, the three amigos, uh, join me, Steve Hasty, Neil Mitchell and Keith Patterson from NCSL to give us a bit of a takeover update from his side of things. Uh, it was good to see Steve Hasty and Keith Patterson uh, giving up their time on the food bank last night, collecting some much needed funds for the food bank. And great to see lots of people going over to see them and to speak to them. Uh, very, very nice that. Uh, OK, we'll try and get on to some of your questions for the last half hour and plenty of questions coming in as well. Tom Dixon, good evening. He says, question for Malcolm and John. Do you think we'll sign Joe Willock in the transfer window? He scored six goals for us now. Uh, uh, Darren Cowan also says, Willock will cost us 30 to 40 million. Without the takeover, he's not coming to us. Um, it was interesting to listen to the lad last night. He, he gave a he gave a nice interview. I mean, obviously the first place in the, uh, to hit uh, six goals in a row since Cissé and Shearer. Um, uh, you know, for me, big, big player. Um, and said that he would keep his options open, but coming to Newcastle wasn't out of the question. What did you make of that answer, John? It's a diplomatic answer and it's a correct answer from his point of view because he's in the driving seat. Funny thing is, Steve, the more I watch what's happening at the moment and the more I see Willock score these goals and the more delighted I am to see it, the more I realise how tough it is for us to get him. Because if you're the Arsenal manager, you would think, I've got to keep this guy. He has scored more goals than all Arsenal midfield put together. So, you mm -hmm. know, if you are Teta and you've got anything about him, he's going to keep him, he's going to play him in the pre-season friendlies and then make a decision on him, which is far too late for us. If he's going to sell him, because he has a rush of blood that he can get all these superstars, but he needs cash. If he's going to sell them, each goal will score, bless him, is put a note at the end of his transfer fee. Um, and the other worry is that our other clubs who are in a bet better position than us, top 10 clubs, for example, those in the top 10, going to be alerted by his goals from midfield and bid for mm -hmm. him as opposed to us, who are down in the bottom six. Uh, so, we every goal that's gone in, it makes it more difficult for us. I think if it was only down to the boy, which it infinitely isn't, it's down to his club, then the boy would has got a lot of warmth for Newcastle United. But do you mm. think yeah. about it, guys? How many midfielders, midfielders, Score as many goals as Willick scores. How many forwards score as many goals as Willick scores? We haven't, outside of Rondon and Perez and Wilson, who haven't scored, who only scored between 10 and 12 a season, and this guy's got seven and a half a season. How mm. many forwards score as many goals as Willick? I mean, he's, he is a very precious commodity. And, Malcolm, he's 21. Yes, it's going to get yeah, better. He is, John. Yeah, um, but if if Newcastle have been shrewd when they when they arranged the loan with Arsenal, what they would have done in the agreement was had a transfer figure specified that if if uh, um, Willock wanted to stay and Newcastle wanted to keep him, then the fee was X number of millions, uh, and and then let the player decide. Um, but I, I'm not so sure that Newcastle have thought ahead that much and have um, and have come to that kind of an arrangement. And therefore, it, it, you hear all these different figures being banded about. Uh, uh, um, uh, I saw a, a viewer um, made the comment of 30 to 40 million. Um, I've seen... Um, the figure of 20 million. Um, I would hope that Newcastle have got it prearranged that if if 
every if they want to continue the situation where they sign Willock on um, on a contract, then the fee is already negotiated some four or five months back. Yeah, well, let's it, it, yeah, right, Malcolm. It ought to have been, but it hasn't been. It hasn't. Oh, you know, it, it, it definitely have, hasn't been, John. It, it, it hasn't been. No, it hasn't been pre-negotiated at all. That's so we are open. We're open to what Arsenal want the fee to be, and that's why I was saying that every goal scores puts another note on the end of what the fee is going to be and um, it this yeah, sounds yeah. ridiculous guys but in, we've got two hopes here one hope is that arteta believes that he can get super superstars and he needs to get some money to get those superstars and how much is he going to make on certain players louise i think is on a free etc so he might have to sell willick to get the money to buy the ones he mm. wants. Yeah. Then we are in a situation if it's 30 or 40, or certainly 30 million, say, we've only paid 40 million. Um, it's around that fee in our whole history. Will we pay that this summer? I honestly believe that probably wouldn't, you know, because it's not in Ashley's interest. Ashley's thinking, I'm going to sell this club in, in September or October and I don't need to have Willock here to sell it, so I'm not going to pay $30 million for Willock. My hope, and, and it's a side hope, is that we get him because they did it and think he might still become a good player but we'll wait and see so they'll put him out for another year on loan and if if they say to him go out for another year on loan and see how you go and get even more experience i think his first choice to go to would be newcastle yeah. because he's mm -hmm. got a love feeling about newcastle he's got it about the dressing room he's got it about the fans he knows they love him they made that clear steve when he was doing that when he was brought off uh, they made it clear how much they love him in the way they did with Rafa if you remember way back we want you to stay the same chant um, so in some ways probably our big hope of getting him is that we get another year's loan it ought to be that we buy him outright but my worry is will Ashley if the fee's 30 million, wow. say, if the fee's 20 million, will Ashley say you can spend this no. summer between 20 and 30 million on one player? I hope so. I don't believe it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, uh, an interesting summer. The takeover is, is is key. We'll come back to the takeover in a second. Chris Collins is just asking a question. Uh, he says, I'm intrigued to know how those who were at St. James's Park found the stadium. It's been Has it been tidied up at all or is it looking rough? Some images broadcast by, by the TV didn't look great. And he sent us a photograph on my, uh, on my phone. Uh, to be honest, um, it's a, it, it is a bit of a mess. Uh, is the only way to describe it compared to other stadia that you walk around. Um, I'm I'm pretty depressed, really, when I see St James's Park these days. It needs a major overhaul. But like Malcolm said about Willock, he's not going to want to spend money on a, a player, um, and and he's mm. not going to want to spend money on tarting the ground up if he's leaving. So we're stuck with it until uh, until the takeover goes through or not, is as the case may mm. be. So we yeah. we wait we wait with bated breath as to how things go with the summer. Um, Swag Dog says, "Evening, fellas. What are your thoughts on the latest delaying tactic that are being deployed by the Premier League with a competition case? Also, seem to be dragging their feet over arbitration." Um, and Alan. Again, takeover related says uh, if the takeover fails, this could be our future with only ten thousand fans in the stadium and in the championship with Ashley still being the owner. It's frightening and it's depressing. Um, yeah, I mean the takeover again in the headlines, Malcolm, because you know there's you know the, you know there's been documentation has had to come out about uh, the various cases which are ongoing and. I think we seem to be reaching an end game, Malcolm. It's not clear which way you know the dice is going to fall, though. 
I couldn't agree more. I, I have no idea um, what the football authorities um, are actually doing. Um, it, are they are they still um, trying to, uh, to to upset the um, uh, uh, the takeover, or are they for it now? I don't know. Uh, and that it, it seems that nobody's saying anything at all from the football authorities and everything is hanging on them and what what they did um uh way back uh, i thought was uh i thought was one of the worst things that i've, I've seen in football um in, in the business of football um that how dare the the footballing authorities who are who sh, whose job it is to make football strong they they seek to stop a club from becoming much much stronger why because six clubs said no we don't want it to happen i thought that was uh, uh, um I thought it was absolutely disgraceful and there's not a head rolled there's not a an inquiry taking place there's nothing happening it's as if oh now we can get we can get away with all of that and it makes me worry for the game itself um uh, whether it's newcastle or anybody else i would be seriously concerned but 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 of course um being here in the northeast um following newcastle I'm deeply aggrieved at the behaviour of footballing authorities towards this club and, and they have got this summer to put it right and I hope they damn well do. Yeah, I mean, John, it's interesting, um, you know, to see, you know, some of this stuff come out now. I personally feel vindicated for at least being positive about the information that I was picking up because it shows that the takeover has been fully uh, operational behind the scenes. And ultimately now um, we're reaching an end game. Um, you know, I, I'm not a betting man, but I would still say that I'm quite confident that, you know, if everything comes out in the open, that uh, we might get what we want. I think the Premier League seem to be trying very hard to delay things again. However, I don't think they're going to get away with it because it's reached a level now where they're not in control anymore and they are being told this is when things have to happen. So we're going to get a result either way and I think at least we'll all be happy either way then. You know, we, we want to be the richest club in the world who's challenging for honours every year. But if we're not, at least we know a lot and we know we're going back into next season with Steve Bruce, Mike Ashley, etc, etc. And at least we'll be able to plan correctly and hopefully avoid the, the pitfalls of, um, you know, a relegation battle this year by investing correctly, you know. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Well, the biggest hope we've got is that the pressure is now on and a decision has to come along and it could well fall our way. Ironically, after 14 years absolutely being in a straitjacket on Mike Ashley, to a certain extent, he's the biggest hope we have now because he's turned his guns on the Premier League and onto that situation because he wants out. So he wants this mm -hmm. all to happen. And yes, you're absolutely right, Steve. Your persistence often... Uh, perhaps scorned because nothing appeared to be happening has proved to be correct and good for you on that and I think we have a real chance on this but because these things Steve take so long to reach fruition they don't take long in the terms of big company deals but they do in terms the close season is very short I think whatever happens, you know, the deadlines we've had, June and July, etc., etc., we are going to virtually have to waste this summer 
in term transfers, etc., etc., because by the time a takeover was in place and the new people were, pray God, inside the boardroom at St. James's Park, the preseason will be over. Now, if we waste this preseason, and Ashley will waste it, Ashley wants is what he's just got this season and last season was survival. Survival until he sells the place. So we won't buy the players to improve the club this summer unless the new owners are in, in place and we need them in place next week. We need to actually, once Fulham's out the way, be physically buying people in to make next season much better than this season's been and the previous season's been. So I think we're going to have to bite the bullet uh, in terms of this summer yet again and do yet again in your free transfers and your own loan look to survive until the takeover happens sometime during the early season and the best opportunity we are going to have is going to be the January transfer window. <laughs> yeah, sad, sad but true. Keith Rose says, what do you think of Ryan Fraser being called up to the Scotland Euro 2021 squad despite his fitness concerns, Malcolm? Do you think he'll play a blinder at the Euros? He always does. As soon as he puts the Scotland shirt on, all of a sudden he's a different player. Um, and what he did to Bournemouth, um, I'm amazed that this club even touched him. Um, uh, uh, it just showed a complete lack of professional character for me, what he did at Bournemouth uh, by refusing to play. And, uh, and he might not have said it, but I think he's refused to play here as well for most of the season. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, it's a strange one, isn't I mean, it? I, it is, it is. And I I agree with Malcolm. He Fraser has hugely disappointed me. A lot of people have disappointed me. Shelby's disappointed me, Joe Linton's disappointed me, but I wasn't surprised they disappointed me. I was expecting it. I was hoping, not expecting, for more from Fraser. Uh, we had the warnings about, as Malcolm said, about what happened at Bournemouth. <coughs> but he hasn't scored a Premier League goal for us. When I've seen him play for us, nine times out of ten, he's looked as if he didn't want to be here. His body language has been absolutely shocking. And what are we faced with now, whether deliberate or it is genuinely because of injury, Facts are facts. The last time he played football was for Scotland. The next time he's going to play football is for Scotland. Mm. And he said when he played for Scotland the last time, and he did well for Scotland, he says, well, you do do well when you have a good manager that we set in new one through brick walls from. He wasn't talking about Steve Bruce, he was talking about Steve Clark. And miraculously, he come back from that game injured with an injury so bad, and I'm not suggesting for one moment that it isn't authentic, but an injury so bad he's been unable to play for us again. But all of a sudden, he's now training and he's going to play in the Euros. Now, what's the, what's the mm. odds that he gets in the Euros and misses the pre-season first? Now, I'll tell you something. This guy pre-season, but didn't have one last pre-season. Steve Bruce has said this, and Steve Bruce is right on this. This guy needs a pre-season big time. And what he's done here, for me, has been massive disappointment and a massive condemnation of Ryan Fraser. And if anybody owes this club, then Ryan Fraser is the player that owes this club, without a shadow of doubt. I've been more disillusioned by him than by anybody, to be truthful. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would agree, John, 100% with you on that. Uh, Donald Baines and a few others asking what our thoughts are on Jetro Willems coming back again. I mean, this was 
this was talked about last season. Um, obviously, would he be coming back? Would he be coming back? Well, this season, sorry, early this season, would he be coming back once his injury healed up? Is it a player you'd welcome back with open arms, Mal, or should we just move on? Move on. Move on. I'm, I'm always um, uh, dead set against uh, players coming back for a second time. I think I can... I can only think of one case where it actually succeeded a second time round, and that was Peter Beardsley at Newcastle. Well, funny, Came funny back enough, for a second spell. Funnily enough, I've got another. I've got another one for you because it, we we talked about this on the retro show a couple of weeks ago, and um, uh -huh. it's Mark McGee's birthday today. But he was another one who. Uh, so happy birthday to Mark if he's watching. But um, Mark McGee didn't have such a great time first time round at Newcastle. But in the second time, of course, he came back and, and almost led Newcastle to uh, promotion. Ended up in that uh, mm -hmm. playoff finals, uh, playoff semi-final. Sorry, where they got you know beat over two legs against Sunderland, of course. But Mark McGee was another one. He had a, he had a good second spell. Right, you always get your exceptions yeah, to any rule. Um, yeah, that's right. That's exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and that's exactly. But it's not was going worth taking the risk in the first place in the hope that you you can have an exception to the rule. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that uh, hopefully covers that question what, what? for you. Don't know. Go on there, John. <clears throat> the only the thing that worries me about Willems, and I can understand fans uh, loving the guy because he was big-hearted. He scored that super goal, if you remember, at Liverpool, I think it was. Um, and... You know, we've looked as if we need a left back because Domit is more left side in the third or even in the two. Um, and Richie's not an out and out left back, of course, he's not. Although he's a very, very, very good player. The thing that was me was above the fact that when you come back, you're never quite as good uh, as you were the first time round, is that he had a bad injury. And I don't know, but I would like to know, and United ought to know if they're serious about thinking of bringing them back, because they ought to be watching them, seeing what's happened. Has he overcome that injury, and is he as good as he was originally, or is he going to carry? And because we've seen players with injuries who, after the injury, Mike on when he was at Liverpool. Quick, lightning quick, off the last shoulder, gets injured, never the same player again. Uh, it happens that way. And I don't know how fit, he can be physically fit, but whether it's taken a yard from Edward, what's left in Williams. The old Williams was a good player by Newcastle standards and worth having. This Williams, it would have to be investigated before any signing was made. Mm. Yeah. Yep, okay. Fitness is another thing which has come up in the chat uh, tonight. Uh, Mal, a lot of people saying, what about the players' fitness? It should be held to account. A lot of people don't feel the players have been fit enough this season. Would you agree? Well, I, I have to say that I've, I've been surprised at, at the amount of days off that Steve Bruce has been giving them over the past um, few weeks and months. Uh I've not particularly noticed a, a, a strong absence of fitness um, in the team. Of course, of course, when players haven't haven't played for some time and and they come back into the side, like like Fraser when he came back in, he hadn't played for ages, and he and he looked like that. He looked exactly that somebody who was rusty um, and. Rusty and dusty he looked, and, and and it wasn't working for him. And so, uh, uh, but but in the main, you know, I'm talking about players' fitness. Good heavens above, Richie can't do more running than he's doing now. He he, he gives his absolute all every single game, um, and so I, I'm not sure why the subject is even coming up to be honest yeah okay what's your, what's your take on that john about 
Yeah. Sorry, take on what's good. We're just talking. We're just talking about um, players and and you know the, the players that the, the, the likes of Willems etc. Coming back to Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, to cut out there, mate. Um, yeah, I, fitness with Newcastle. Um, fitness as well. Yeah. Sorry, John. I was going through the questions. The fitness of the players was the other question. I was just yeah, trying to find the exactly. question. Exactly. Fitness of the players was what you were on about. I'm not certain, like Malcolm, that that has been a consideration. For me, the big thing that has produced this little mini-upsurge in results that we've had of recent times, which is take Newcastle away from... You know the fear we had midwinter when we, we played 11 games and lost nine and drew two and mm. won two out of 22, and we were absolutely desperate and Steve Bruce told us that is because we didn't have our wonderful players up and he was referring to some maximum and Wilson etc etc I believe that is a and that was a myth because if you looked there was 11 horrendous defeats in which Wilson played every one of them and there was four yeah. horrendous defeats when Wilson and San Maximum played every one of them the big difference was that Newcastle United tactically suddenly stopped being timid stopped being scared of their own shadow and start trying to go forward and all of a sudden a squad that looked nowhere near Premier League level actually looked as if they were. And I give huge credit there to Graham Jones that said we must play on the front foot. In Newcastle United, if you look at them at Leicester, if you look at them way back at Everton when Jones first come, if you look at them against Man City, albeit with a 35-year-old third-choice goalkeeper in an Aki, who on the day was absolutely diabolical, we were front foot, and if we're front foot, we're not a good side, but we're a much better side. We were playing so timid in that winter period, which went on for so long, when we lost at Sheffield United and drew at West Brom and got hammered by Brighton, etc., etc. What changed things was not having our two guys up front but we had them up front before and they never saw the ball what changed was tactically we become different mm. tactically we played 15 20 yards higher up the pitch than we had been playing we john, had been playing inside our own penalty area john what Is the difference right, yeah but the, what the what the major difference was um that uh, um that back in this period that you were talking of, of, of those 11 games, that what Newcastle were playing was Shelby at centre-half and five sweepers. <laughs> yeah. i tell you what, if, Malcolm, if you, were, if you were the goalkeeper, you had sore toes because everybody was standing yeah. on them. Absolutely, absolutely. But it, it literally was like that, that Shelby was playing that deep and... And and the back the back line dropped right off. And yes, they were stood under Bravka's toes, um, and and that was when um, when Wilson up front. Dear me, he didn't have a black and white shirt within fifty odd yards of him in those games. And and he and it was a, a dreadful, uncomfortable period for him. And and he went goalless. Uh, so it, it it didn't take a genius of a coach just to get the the team pushed up. For heaven's sake, it was so obvious, um, and and how it got to that, you've really got to question Steve Bruce. For heaven's sake, him and his coaches, what were they doing to allow it to happen? And and after the game, scratching their heads. Oh well, you know we've lost, but ooh, we don't know why. <laughs> Everybody was saying, get pushed up for heaven's sake. 
Yeah. Uh, five minutes left. Uh, Paul Oxley will give you the last question. He says, Malcolm, if uh, you were Harry Kane, who would you join and why? Um, without a shadow of a doubt, I'd go to Man City. I think Harry Kane would be a perfect fit in there. Um, it, it, it would suit him down to the ground. He would suit them down to the ground. Um, and, and and I think that he would he, he would strengthen what is a, a most magnificent side. Um, and uh, particularly as they as they're losing their, their current major goal scorer. Um, I, I think Harry Kane would be a perfect fit. Um, I, I couldn't see him wanting to really go anywhere else in this country. If he used to move from Spurs and stay in this country, Man City. Gibble, could you see him in a black and white shirt? I was going to say, if I was Harry Kane, I would sign for Newcastle United, but that's because I'm a Geordie. Uh, uh, and by the way, he would become a bigger hero at Newcastle United than he was at, at Spurs if he actually signed for Newcastle. But no, in truth, I would sign for Man City as well if I was him because he's got one move left in him. Time-wise, yeah. this is his last big, big move. And I would go to Manchester City for all the reasons why. Um because the only other players that might have an outside chance would be uh, Liverpool, but they've got the front three, etc. I wouldn't go Manchester United because I think that's a bigger rebuilding uh, mm. situation we realise. Yeah. And I think in some ways they've overachieved this season already and they've got Cavani staying there. I would definitely go to Manchester City, but... If it was up to me, I would go to Newcastle United because what is the club of number nine legends? Ours, me old pal. Ours. Exactly. Following the footsteps of Shearer. Break Shearer's record at St. James's. Come on, Harry. You know it makes sense. Uh, Julie Baker says, Rusty and Dusty Malcolm, we should sign them. It was a, it was a comment you made before, Rusty and Dusty. It was a comment. We should, we should, we should find them on. Uh, okay, quickly looking ahead to uh, the final game of the season, Fulham away. It's a Craven Cottage, of course. Uh, all games kick off simultaneously at four o'clock. And Newcastle's is live on Sky Sports Mix. Uh, Fabian Shaw is available after completing his suspension. Uh, team news uh, will come in due course. Referee for the day is Chris Kavanagh. And on VAR is Robert Jones. And it's uh, it's another Malcolm McDonald derby. Um, fans are going to be mm. allowed in the ground as well, Mal. Uh, of course, we had our supporters in St. James's Park last night. Fulham will have some supporters in. Uh, 2,000 home followers will be in Craven Cottage at the, uh, at the weekend. How do you see it going, Mal? Is it going to be a typical end-of-season affair? Do you think Fulham will have something to prove? Um, how, how do you see it going? Newcastle, of course, went down there with Rafa as manager and won 4-0. Yes, that's right. That was two seasons ago, last game of the season. I was actually down there for the game. Um, and Newcastle were so superior in that 90 minutes. Um, uh, uh, this Fulham's major problem has been that for all the lovely football that they play, and they do play really good football, they get to the last third and they haven't got a clue. Not a clue. Um, and I, I would be hugely disappointed um, if uh, Newcastle uh, um, allowed Fulham to score. Because honestly, they, uh, um, they, they really just haven't got a clue. I'll tell you what. I've, I've been watching Fulham quite a bit and uh, uh, and, and people have, have been talking highly of, of Scott Parker uh, that, who now manages Fulham and when Scott Parker played for Newcastle he was he got an award um, I think for for the most passes um, in a season Yes, sideways and backwards, sideways and backwards. He didn't play a forward ball. And if you watch 
how Fulham are playing now, they find it so difficult to play that that killer ball um, into the last third. Um, and they've paid very severely again um, this season, as they did two years ago. Uh, and as far as Newcastle are concerned, I just hope that they have got their shooting boots on and they need they need to just keep getting forward and, and peppering the goal with shots. And I, I'm going to take Newcastle to um, to 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 win 2-0. Uh, I cannot see Fulham scoring um, and, and they'll play some really good football, um, but not score. OK, uh, John, what's your views on the match of the weekend? Well, honestly, I will not know for certain until an hour before kickoff because for me, Newcastle's best four players this season have been Wilson, San Maximum, Willick, and Devavka. We know that Wilson's yeah. out. San Maximum and Willick both came off against Sheffield United and Dubravka finished the game with his left hamstring strapped. Now, if Sanman, Willick and Dubravka missed the game, it would be a totally different game to what it would be if they were all there. Um, I think Willick will probably be all right. I think in the main it was cramp and it was fatigue. But some maximum, you never know. He comes off regularly, as Steve was saying. We don't feel the Bucker has a problem with that left eye. He's got the Euros coming up. Does he feel that he wants to risk the Euros, etc.? Bear in mind, we haven't got Darlow if if he doesn't play because he's had an operation. So Gillespie would have to make his Premier League debut. I think that whatever happens in terms of starting with some maximum Willick and Dubravka will have a huge impact on the way the result goes. I know that they came up here and got a 1-1 at Christmas up here when they were the best team and for 25 minutes mm -hmm. played with 10 men when Anderson was sent off giving away the penalty which Wilson scored to get us the draw. I know that in the last game they got another 1-1 at Manchester United. But let's not get carried away by those two results. The bottom line is that Fulham are as bad as Sheffield United. They cannot score goals, and that draw at Manchester United won only two draws in the last nine games, and the other seven they have all lost, which is why they're going down. But you know what? I've got this funny feeling that we weren't comfortable against Sheffield United in terms of we couldn't put the game to bed and eventually won 1 0. I don't know why. I mean, Newcastle ought to blow these people away and end up with two games at the end of the season against relegated sides that produce six points to us. There's no question about it at all. But for some reason, Malcolm, and I don't know why, I cannot get away from thinking that the bottom line, the nightmare result, is that we get a 1 1 and they, they do score, but it's a 1 1. And I can't get away from that, you know. And yet, I know Newcastle ought to win by three clear goals because they are so bad and they can't score goals. But if Willick doesn't score for us, if he doesn't, and after mm. six, six, can we ask a midfield player to get seven and seven? If Willick doesn't score for us, who's going to score two goals for us with Wilson not playing? It it's really a game that is end of the season, isn't it? I mean, it is a game mm -hmm. where it's no bubble. Score prediction, John. One one. One one. Okay, good stuff. Martin Heron will give him the last question. He says, "Do you think Joe Linton would give Kane the number nine shirt, Mal?" <laughs> What's happened to Malcolm? Yeah, he lost his voice. 
I could think the Jordan's not we could think he's not here, Malcolm. Have the decision to make me also. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I think we we honour Joe Linton by putting him in the same sentence as Harry Kane. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff. We'll be back uh, with uh, Malcolm and John next Thursday. We'll be doing a season review. That'll be uh, next week's uh, topics. We'll be doing a season review with all of our usual regulars. So, lads. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the last games of the season and look forward to seeing you next Thursday. Take care. Look forward to it. Good night, everybody. Take care, boy. Nice to see you. Bye-bye.